What's going on, everybody? My name is Matt. And I'm Gabe. And welcome back to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And it is the first episode of 2022. That it is. We were going to be releasing one last week, but uh, yeah, nothing really came out. And hardly anything came out this week. So <laughs> Yeah. And so this week, Gabe, without wasting any time, what are we talking about this yeah, week? Yeah, so this week we are going to be going over the uh, Consumed by Your Poison by Despised Icon. Uh, so this is their original album that was released in 2002 on Gaelic Records. It was re-released with a remaster in 2006 on Century Media Records when they had signed on to Century Media. And then it was remastered again with a couple extra bonus tracks for 2022, also through Century Media, although Despised Icon is on uh, Nuclear Blast now. Okay. Uh, the lineup currently is uh, Steve Maroy on vocals, uh, Alex Arian on uh, vocals as well, and I'm, I'm going to mess up a few of these because they are a lot of French people, uh, Eric Jaron on lead guitar, Sebastian Peach on bass, Alex Pelletier on drums, and Ben Landreville on rhythm guitar. Uh, notably on this album, because it is their first album, the a lot of the vocal, cap- uh, vocal duties were handled by Marie-Helene Landry, uh, whose vocals on most of this album, and I'll point out where she is and where she isn't. And then Alex Arian wasn't on vocals for this specific album. He was on drums for this album. So pause the cast real quick. All right. Uh, well, we learned something fun. Uh, so apparently Amazon Music had it wrong, and Matt took over the uh, review of The Healing Process, which is their second album. So what we're going to do in light of this news <laughs> is uh, you guys are going to get a double feature of Despised Icon today Ayo. on accident. Uh, so I'm going to go over the healing process here first, since that was the first release. And then Matt will follow up with, uh, or God, I you keep, got, I, yeah, because yeah. you've got consumed by your poison and then I've got the healing process. I'll go over consumed by your poison. Yes. And then we'll go over, and then Matt will go over the healing process and we'll just kind of, uh, kind of break them both down because we, we can. <laughs> um, but uh, Matt, actually, go ahead, go ahead and um, pull up the album artwork for The Healing, or uh, for uh, Consumed by Your Poison, just yeah. so we can both talk about that at least. Um, so as I had mentioned, uh, the, the Consumed by Your Poison is going to be the only album to feature Marie-Helene Landry uh, on vocals, um, which is super neat. I actually never knew that their first album had a female vocalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kills it. Like the there's shrieks throughout the entire album that I'm just in love with, and and she's the the person who did it. So that, that surprised me and made me really happy. Okay. Um, my first impressions on this one, like this is just be still my old deathcore loving heart. The this album really brought me back to my roots and warmed my heart to heavy music all over again. Not that I really ever had a loss of love, but it just kind of like reopened and reblossomed for mm-hmm. me. Um, it was honestly kind of a nice break where the focus is just being heavy and not really the legibility of the lyrics and the riffs and it harkens to a different time. It's it's 100% nostalgia uh, in that regard for me and isn't really something that I want to hear constantly, but it was just kind of a nice freshness just from where I normally come from. That's fair. Um, musically, the album's everything you'd expect from an early, mid-2000 deathcore. Breeze, chugs, blast beats, pinch harmonics, scree- screeches and shrieks, and, and more chugs. Um, it's nice to look back and see where we've come from and how far we've come with this genre and despised icon. We're really at the forefront of making that happen and, and kind of just falling in the same vein lyrically too on the album. Um, we have much of what old death core is about violence, grotesque imagery and beneath it, we find rages against societal situations and norms and, and social commentary in the old death core way. Uh, much of the album is done in French as well, which is unsurprising given uh, that Despised Icon is from Montreal, which is a really large French-speaking population. Um, I'll go over those in a little bit as well, 
Um, cause <laughs> I'm not certain that Google translate was really helpful for some of these songs okay. for me and I'll get to that in a bit. Um, bef before jumping into that, uh, the album artwork on this one here. So the original artwork featured on the 2022 release is the original art from the 2002 release of this. I wasn't able to find the artist. Uh, however, there was the, uh, version that came out, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, there was the version that came out in uh, 2006, and uh, that one featured, let me pull that back up here real quick, um, that one featured artist Sven de Kalue, um, who was the, uh, he's one of the guys from Aborted. Um, so he did the really? he did the remastered art from the 2006 release, which isn't the same one as we see here, but I just thought that was a neat little tidbit. And that is cool. Shout out to Sven, because he did a really cool bit for that. Um, yeah, this one, it features a really grainy and yellow-tinted image of what appears to be a trashy back alleyway. It features the band name and the album title in the center, uh, kind of tilted, with, notably with the band's, uh, without the band's logo font that they used later on in albums, beginning in 2009 with Montreal Assault and Day of the Morning. Okay. Do you have anything to add with that artwork? Not really. Um, it's, it's a really eerie-looking artwork, especially for the reissued version. It... It almost gives me like horror movie vibes, but like mm -hmm. in a in an abandoned hotel or a hospital. So it kind of gives me a little bit of those vibes. Uh, but it's it's really good work that Sven did. So shout out to him on that. Yeah. But with that, uh, I'll go ahead and go into the track by track on this one here. Um, so notably on this album, there is the original ten tracks that were available on the Consumed by Your Poison album, uh, and then on this one here, it also includes the uh, two versions of Compelled to Copulate. One of them being a re-recorded version with uh, Arian on vocals, and one of them being the live version from Montreal, which also had uh, uh, what's her name? Where'd it go? Sorry, <laughs> uh, Marie Helene Landry, who was featured as a guest uh, coming back and put Alex back on drums for the uh, the live in Montreal. Oh, that's cool. So I thought that was super cool to see and just kind of. Let, let's see them all kind of just together again. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also the uh, version that was uh, similar to Compelled to Copulate, which is Poisonariat, uh, which is another re-recorded with Ariane on vocals instead of drums. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of briefly go over those here in a little bit. But um, with that being said, going into the track by track of... Consumed by your poison. Yeah, man, I, I keep getting these stupid. <laughs> Honestly, <albums> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's it's probably because of just the mix up you and I had. Is that's <laughs> that's definitely not helping the situation. So I I completely understand. Yep. Uh, so uh, the kicking off the album is compelled to copulate. Um, so this just comes in right in with the sound of 2002. The lyrics are almost entirely unintelligible, as with the most of the entirety of the album here is. Um, beneath the screeches and pig squeals, we find a song about man's drive for sexual gratification and the old deathcore adages of violence, grotesquerie, and general nihilism. Um, it's a really solid start to the album. I enjoy it a lot. Okay. Uh, from there, we go to Poisonariat. The Google Translate on this one um, apparently means fishmonger, hmm. which I looked up, and it's somebody who sells, or, or someone or a uh, store who sells fish. Okay. I don't know the accuracy of this, because it seemed like it was an entire song written about a fish store. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's... So the, 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 the face I'm making it, Gabe, just as I'm trying to process this, that's, that, that's part of the reason for the pause. So that's... 
yeah, if yeah. that is accurate, that's interesting. It, it is, especially with the the rest of the album. Um, a lot of it, for whatever reason, wouldn't translate through Google Translate, okay. and it just left it in the assumably French word. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm aware, the French that Canadians speak is almost identical to French outside of just like dialect differences and it, stuff. It's probably like a slang or something. It might be. I don't know. Yeah. Unfortunately, Google Translate doesn't differentiate between French and French Canadian. Okay. So that's really all I was able to do with that. Um, it's a solid song, much like the first. It's. I'm still trying to get over the fact that it might be about a fish store. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on, uh, we go into grade A1, which is back to English. Uh, this song is very much about the meat industry and how ruthless and terrible it is to humans, but also to animals. It's definitely a message I can get behind, and the musical nature of the song is super groovy. Um, the screeches of old despised icon that uh, Marie Helene is doing is just top tier. Uh, this one's definitely my top three on the album, and it's the subject and feel of many metal bands, and it really hits home for me. Okay. Uh, just kind of like just from a nostalgia factor. Uh, from there, we go into gonna butcher this let let sheen i think i think it's pronounced la sheen uh et le rose um, i'm much more confident in the translation on this one okay <laughs> uh so the translation from this one is translated to the oak and the reed which is a lyrical take on aesop's fable of the same name um, okay. about the reed being flexible and unbreakable through the storm but the mighty oak falling due to its rigidity uh, it's a super heavy song, really groovy, also in my top three on the record. Um, okay. This one falls at number two, grade A1 com- comes in at number three, um, and I'll get to my number one here in a second. Uh, we have Dead King, which follows afterwards, which is the shortest song on the record at 55 seconds. It is just about how we are destined to die and be warm food. Really quick, to the point, it's kind of a neat breathing point for the album as far as like deathcore goes. Mm-hmm. Most recently, kind of... Uh, feels like a crossgates from the newest Acacia Strain record. Okay. Where we have uh, I Breathe in the Smoke Deeply and It Tastes Like Death and I Smiled, which is like track number four or five, I think. Okay. Um, which is like this really long, weird, kind of intricate song for them. And then they go into this minute-long just like headbanger. And so th- that's kind of where this felt, where it just kind of breaks up the album into a nice little chunk. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's straight to the point. I liked it. And then going into my favorite a uh, song on the album, which is Absolute, which the translation on the name I'm sure of, but I don't know the rest of the uh, the song really. Okay. Um, it's Absolute. Uh, the translation is super spotty. I can't really tell if the song's about religion, uh, a serial killer variant called Missionary Killers, or cults. It might be all three. I don't know. It kind of seemed like it could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second half of the song is what really gets me. It has a super groovy riff, these awesome shrieks from uh, Marie Helene over the the back half and half of the screams uh, the ha- the the awesome shrieks over much of the back half and the screams are like desperation and anxiety and it's not a secret for the show that I've been a really big fan of those mm-hmm. kind of feelings yeah uh, invoked in music uh, moving on to fashionable uh, we go back into English this song is all about how fake we can allow ourselves to be in the name of beauty and fashion with plastic surgeries pills and and the like um, it's really everything we've seen on the album so far so there's not really much to say that hasn't already been said on this it's just kind of following the same uh, early 2000s deathcore adages right uh, interfering your days is a song honestly kind of ahead of its time lyrically the entire message of the song is how the news is meaningless. It's produced by folks who want to make money, and it's not presenting facts, news, or truth. It's a really angry song. Um, the the riffs are top tier, and it's a solid addition to the album. The ending is a banger for sure. Okay. I, I really enjoy this one, and it kind of speaks to our current 
uh, climate in terms of like how we view the news, whether you're on the left or the right, the opposite side medias are all full of liars. And in reality, yeah. all of the medias are full of liars. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, the uh, next song, uh, the second to last song on here uh, from the main album is Clef de Vaud. Uh Translation felt safe on this one as well. Uh, it translates to Keystone, and the song's all about how we've fallen apart into a pattern of needing money and inhibit our own freedoms by chasing down the desires that we're raised on from birth. Again, kind of lyrically just ahead of its time, mm -hmm. which is uh, kind of neat. The song opens up super heavy, kind of drops down as far as deathcore can drop down Yeah. Uh, for the verses. And then around the two minute mark, it just becomes all out chaos. And as the capstone for this song, the riff starts and stops and perfectly executed blasts are top tier for this one. And then uh, finally for the main album is Despise the Icons. Um, as the name suggests, the song is about despising the ones that we hold on a pedestal. It's another really short one at 59 seconds. And this track sets the t stage for what the band is about and doesn't really shy away from its message. Um, and then, yeah, it really just stops as abruptly as it starts. Okay. And then the final three tracks on this one are the um, the re-recorded version of Poison Ariat with Alex Arian on vocals instead of uh, Marie Helene, uh, the Compelled to Copulate version, which is the exact same thing, and then we have the live version of Compelled to Copulate from Live in Montreal, uh, where we get uh, Helene back. Okay. And then, do you know by chance when the um, Live in Montreal, like, the year was? It was recorded in 2008, and the DVD that it released on was released in 2009. Okay. Okay, yeah. So it, it sounds like honestly, those are that's probably a live song that was included in the same uh, live live songs that are include on the healing process. I believe so. Yeah. Um, but overall, this one here, it was a really fun nostalgia trip for me. If I had to put a rate, I, I will put a rating on it. Um, it comes to a six out of eight for me. Okay. It just was. It was fun to go back into. Early deathcore had a lot of flaws. Mm -hmm. It just. It was kind of more of a. Th this one definitely falls in kind of like the the same vein that like. Uh, a lot of our stuff last year did where it was kind of a, a big nostalgia year. I feel yeah. like this one really kind of kicked that off for me too. Yeah, no, and, and that's completely understandable. But with that and uh, with no further of me droning on, Matt, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the healing process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first impressions, I kind of was in a, a very similar position to Gabe. Is I felt like I was put in a time machine and it warmed, warmed my heart in a way that just just brought me a lot of happiness. I... I came into Deathcore a lot later than a lot of folks did. I really didn't start getting into it probably till about 2011, somewhere between about 2009 and 2012. Um, and just Which being were great years for Deathcore, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so being able to go back to this early into what Deathcore would be and being able to see that and, again, the, the evolution of where the genre was to where it is now is beautiful. Musically, it perfectly blends the death metal and hardcore that creates really what deathcore is. This is, again, the reissue of their 2005 record, and the time frame is made extremely evident with the style of deathcore present on the record. We got the breeze, we've got the blast beats, we got the breakdowns, and everything really in between. The songs are also not the same wall of noise that we're a little bit more likely to see and or hear now, where if you listen to, for example, like Demolisher by Slaughter to Prevail, mm -hmm. is it's very prevalent, it's just a wave of noise coming out at you. This record was... Still kind of a wall of noise, but it felt empty in a way. Uh, so it wasn't that that complete full um, atmosphere. Atmosphere doesn't feel right, but it, like there, it just feels a little bit empty in the songs. Yeah, the um kind of arrangement that 
consumed by your poison was in mm-hmm. also kind of felt the same i feel like it's just kind of a, a lack of knowledge on mixing those kind of things yeah um because it, it was very new and very forefront at the mm-hmm. time and so what the first bands were doing were kind of what everybody was following suit until those changes came yeah. through later on and that's and that's a good way to put it uh, lyrically, thematically, it's pretty all over the place. It's primarily in English. I believe it's only in two songs, if I remember correct. I wish I could remember which songs they were, but there were only two two songs at most that had any sort of French in it. Um, I love that each one tells its own different story and tells it v- extremely well. We've got Warm-Blooded, which is straight up about a vampire, and then Silver-Plated Advocate is about what I could only assume to be a bounty hunter-type individual. And just to give you an idea of a couple of the songs, there is also the political aspects of it, but it's not extremely heavy in it. It feels like every song has some sort of a narrative that it's trying to tell. And looking here, uh, just to jump right into the album cover, is it appears to be the exact same cover as the original 2002 release, where we look at 2005. a... 2005. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we see what looks like a human on the left side, and if you go into kind of the anatomical breakdown of human beings is the the face is turned sideways but it looks like the skin's been ripped off so you can see the lines of the muscles there's lines coming out of the uh, top left corner and kind of insinuating sunlight uh with the despise icon name and the album name down in the bottom right corner and then along the right side and the bottom it almost looks like a, a frayed uh burn almost like burned paper kind of look to it yeah, it's kind of interesting between the two um, album covers as well is the original looks to be a little bit darker, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the the newer issue version of it is a lot brighter in terms of the uh, just the contrast that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much on this uh, to say otherwise. Like it, It's a cool looking album cover. It's shortly before they start uh, kind of using their... They're kind of like a icon font mm-hmm. um, that they use. Uh, there's still the Ills of Modern Man, which comes out in 2007. That doesn't have it. Uh, it has something a little bit different, where it kind of looks like a bullet hole uh, through it, which kind of uh, goes with the rest of the album cover yeah. as well. And then from there, we we see the despised icon with the your standard deathcore kind of font. Okay. Yeah, and I I hadn't had a chance to take a look at uh, any of the other album art, so I I can't confirm that myself. But well, yeah, they're super cool. Ills of Modern Man is kind of just an iconic one. Day of Mourning is super metal looking, and the other ones are okay. But those two are really kind of like my two favorites that they have. That's fair. Uh, so we'll just jump right into the track by track breakdown. Starting off with Bulletproof Scales. Uh, this is the re- so this record is nine. Uh, songs on the original record and they're just going to be remastered or alternate mixes of and then we have six of the songs that we get from the live in montreal 2008 uh, live set bulletproof scales it's a hot start to the record and it wastes no time in not only setting the stage but also setting proper expectations of what to expect it's fast it's heavy it's got plenty of double bass drumming and really thick riffs along with vocals hitting high and low all throughout a song that is a really good smack um, the Bulletproof Skills live version is going to end up being the final song on the entire disc. 
And it's a really strong performance, and it stays extremely loyal to the originally recorded song, and it's really prominent, that hardcore influence, and I appreciate that quite a bit. And I'll also just make a quick note is the hardcore aspect of the deathcore style is very prominent just throughout Despise Icon sound on this record is there's one maybe two songs where it leans a little bit more on the death metal but it it feels a lot more like a hardcore record that just brought in some death metal elements yeah it's like you take a hardcore record and you amp up the uh, bpms on it for yeah, sure exactly make it sound more demonic <laughs> yeah no that's that's a good way to put it Following that is Silver Plated Advocate, and it's really hot off the trails of the last song. It's another one that wastes no time before getting into the delicious heaviness. The quote-unquote breakdown in the middle of the song, and by breakdown, it's really because everything seems to go into a section where all the instruments become less complex and become more of a chug pattern. Um, I love me some blast beats, and we get them a lot in this song, so that's pretty cool. We do get an actual breakdown in the end, which is done fantastically well. This is one of the songs that did not get a live version. So we'll jump right into Immaculate, which did get a live version. More heavy and I'm in for it. What really surprised me is the slow section, roughly about two and a half minutes in. It's guitars alone, and getting the break in the record at this point is really nice. It's a, a very good contrast, and it helps keep the record from becoming monotonous and just kind of the, the wall of noise all the way throughout. About three and a half minute mark brings us back to the heaviness that we were presented before, and it closes out the song at honestly probably about 100 miles an hour. Um, I won't lie, the slowest section in the live version I was worried about, but it was done perfectly, so well done to the band. The live version also made me realize this song is probably my favorite chorus on the record. Immaculate is? Yes. Nice. Um, we'll jump right into Warm Blooded. This one vocally, especially with the backing vocals slash shouting, goes almost unnecessarily hard. This one brings the breeze strong and is not afraid to use it. It's, I want to say, probably close to 50% of the the vocals. That's <laughs> just all big squeezes. breeze. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, more blast. Also, there's some prominent bass in it, mm. and I'm kind of—it was kind of tasteful. Mm. One thing I do want to note: Despise Icon was among the first deathcore bands that I listened to, okay. and they were the very first one that ever introduced me to a pig squeal. Really? That's it. Like that. It's just—it's <laughs> it, it, just that one spot in your heart. It really is. That's yeah. fantastic. I love that. Love me a good pig squeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warm blooded, the live version. This one still goes hard vocally, but not quite as hard. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt just because I would assume this was during a tour. And in the case of any touring band, you can't do everything at 100% at any and all times. That out of the way, it's still a really strong performance of the song regardless. Jumping right into Retina, which is going to be the next song on the record. I found this song extremely difficult to keep my attention. The breakdown was memorable, but it still took me three listens of the song just to start getting notes even started. It's fine, but it's just not a favorite by any means. Uh, same thing really with the live version. It just didn't really bring anything out that made me say, oh, this song's great. So it's... The breakdown sounds great live, but everything else is just kind of meh for me. Fair enough. Following that is The Sunset Will Never Charm Us. And not going to lie, I kind of thought this song may have had an influence on the album art just because of like this, the sun aesthetic that was kind of mm -hmm. on the artwork. 
If that's true, sweet. If not, no biggie. Sick song name. It's probably the sickest song name I've seen in a minute. It's just the song's also kind of meh. I like the riff that's being used for the breakdown, but again, it's the song overall is just too similar to everything else that the record offers. Being a record from 2005, there wasn't really a lot of exploration being done, so it, it was still just too new for... It was the exploration, really. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then the live version of the same song is the intro they used to lead into this. It, it sounded like this very war drummy sound, mm -hmm. and it was just a perfect opener. And be, being that this was the song picked for starting a live set off is absolutely fantastic just to note the first riff to open the song it's just sledgehammer we're into it you the, the room's opening up it, it's one it. of those kind of songs following the sun will never charm us is as bridges burn and here we get things broken up a little bit we get more of the shouting vocals and this one really is the one that oozes more of that death metal influence it was especially prominent in the vocals, but you start hearing it a lot more on the riffs and the drumming style as opposed to where all the other ones felt a little bit more leaning into the hardcore side. Those two things together make this song better than the last two songs, in my opinion. Um, not really a whole lot to say about that one, but again, it, it is definitely better than the last two. Harvesting the Deceased. I love the riff that starts it's such this a song. super metal title too. <laughs> mm -hmm. It really is. Well, and honestly, if if I remember the lyrics correctly, th this one's kind of a political one, but the the whole song narrative was like pretty much creating zombies to serve the government. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. This one, I mean, like this is this is the good stuff. The song is honestly really chaotic. It goes from one riff to another, and then to another riff, all within about twenty seconds. <laughs> this happens repeatedly through the song, and I, I don't know, <laughs> and I don't know if it's like time signature changes or they're just like, hey, we're doing the same time signature, but do another riff. Okay, do another one. Do another one, and it's just all the way through. Um, blast beats are littered everywhere through this one, and we get even more of that prominent bass guitar in the song. The breakdown in the song is really cool, and the sample used over it was hard to hear. Um, and I will say in my defense, I have the bad hearing, like really bad. <laughs> uh, but it added a weirdly dope texture onto the song, and I had seen something. I don't know 100% if it's true, but I had seen that the sample was pulled from Goldeneye. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure, so please don't quote me on that. I'm trying to go based off of memory. Uh, jumping into the live version of it, good God, this song goes hard. The bouncy riffs in, this, in it sound absolutely fantastic. Lyrically and sonically, I'm absolutely into this song. Uh, it is warm-blooded that features a sample from goldeneye okay okay so i i had just um gotten it mixed yep. up with a different song uh and then the last song on the bass record is end this day and the band pretty much said no we're not slowing down <laughs> the only reason it does slow down is for the thick thick breakdowns it, though it's not an absolute banger of a song it has a lot of elements that make it a really strong in entry for the record and is honestly just a, a good way to close it out 
And then I know I did kind of jump around with the different live songs, but to give you the order of how they appear is it's The Sunset Will Never Charm Us, Retina, Harvesting the Deceased, Immaculate, Warm-Blooded, and Bulletproof Scales. Uh, And then the live version of Bulletproof Scales is the one that ends the record off. Uh, I'll jump into my tentacle rating. Um, I put it at a four. So the record's fine, and I have no complaints about any sort of poor musicianship. This record just couldn't fully maintain my attention, and the, you know that was kind of a big, a big hindrance for me. Mm-hmm. I'd very much still recommend this to someone who, regardless of if you like deathcore or not, I would still recommend it. Just to, that way you could see what Deathcore was like in the early stages. I'll very likely come back to this record. It's just primarily going to be for having just music playing in the background, honestly. That's her. But yeah, so that's going to do it for uh, for both of those albums that we did not intend to do both of. Two for one package. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so... um. Yeah, sorry about that. Like, yeah, norm- well, and, normally we're better about this. But well, and it's I, funny because we talk like every day and it, it's just... This this one completely slipped both of us, and especially with ha- these two reissues dropping the exact same day is really weird. Well, and, and then too, like I'm not even certain that they did because I know for a fact that the the consumed by the poison consumed by your poison absolutely did release on the seventh. Mm-hmm. The only place that I could find that said the healing process dropped on the seventh was on your app, your yeah, Amazon, Amazon Music, Amazon and I was music. able to confirm it on Amazon Music on my computer as well. Mm-hmm. But everything else just said that it there was the 2005 release and then for whatever reason the alternative mix one just says 2005 as well so i don't know if it's i i don't know yeah <laughs> it could be an issue where it was just like a, a, a act like a miss mislabeling or something but that's yeah. not what we either do. way we'll blame century media records because they're not on them anymore and it Good would be enough. their fault because they're the ones who would have the rights to be post- <laughs> putting these out anyway <laughs> but um that is going to do it for our despised icon double double header i guess yeah um so what we're going to go ahead now is uh go into our hidden tracks where we talk about something unrelated to the uh the albums that we talked about today um so i'll go ahead and kick us off since y'all just heard matt go on for a minute this is true (laughs) um so originally last week we were actually going to be doing uh amber lynn's new album uh, under a dying sun uh this album released on december 17th and i listened to the first song and i was like hey this is actually pretty good hey matt well we can maybe do this one and then i never got a chance to listen to it again uh the week that we were supposed to be recording it i started listening to it and i'm like wow this only has one good song Mm All of this is kind of rough. None of this is really what we would normally do. And what it ended up being was kind of just a mishmash of like Coldplay versus Muse. Yeah. And I I was a really big fan of Amberlynn. Uh, once upon a time, uh, I mean, if I ever have two girls, the second one's going to be named Amberlynn. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and that's just, I've already cleared that with my wife. I'm good to go in that hey regard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it just was one of those things where like it, it kind of hurt. To, to hear it i yeah like the previous releases they they've done and this just really kind of missed the mark there was a couple good songs that i enjoyed on there but like i said it, it was really just coldplay versus muse mm-hmm. and it, it just wasn't for me uh, yeah. under a, or uh the the opening track on it was really good which is where they got the um 
the the album title name. I forget exactly what it's called. Uh, or We Are Destroyer. That, that, yes. That's what it is, which was a super cool song. I actually really like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Distressor was also really good, but the rest of them just never really hit the mark for me. Yeah. It, it felt, honestly, because um, I had a chance to re- listen through it a few times, and I was actually starting to put together notes for the record, and uh, Gabe had sent me a mess. Or I think I was asking, you know, when are we going to record? And Gabe was like, well, how about skipping this one? I was like, sick, all right. Uh Really, it again, it, it sounded very much like Coldplay and Muse kind of mishmashed together. But I also, as I was listening to it, it felt like I was at a like a big festival and it was just this kind of like big, big name band playing. Like for whatever reason, I kept getting YouTube vibes and it was just, I could it definitely felt see really, that as well. It felt really weird. Um, I also think is it, it was like Coldplay and Muse with a bite to it. So like there was actually a little bit of punch. Um, if you had to give a tentacle rating on it, what would you give it? It would probably be a two for me. Yeah, like it, I it just I didn't have anything that I really enjoyed out of the record mm-hmm. except for the title track. Yeah, and honestly, that's going to be the same for me. I almost put it to a three, and part of it being is I would be much more likely to recommend it to someone if they're looking to get not really into alternative music, but kind of start easing their way in. So if they wanted to listen to something with a little bit of little bit of kick but it just unfortunately didn't really hit the mark yeah the, the only things that i actually intend on coming back to on this record are we are destroyer which is the opening track into center okay um everything else uh, i know armageddon's kind of a big song on there that one really just kind of made me feel like i was listening to mad by muse mm-hmm. um just with the way that kind of the bass was throbbing yeah um i'm not a muse fan personally i'm not either it's it's really comes down to a, just a personal preference there i recognize what they've done for music and how they are uh, i respect them for that but it just wasn't for me this one really felt too much like that and i really hate the song mad just because of how much i've heard it um but yeah we were destroyer and dissenter the only two songs that i'll come back to on this record that's fair yeah i i don't know if i'll come back to Am- the amberlin record um it's it's hard to say but just right now it's not not too jazzed about it yeah uh, anything else for you? Uh, no, not for this one here. Why don't you go ahead and let us know? Because I know you've got a list I've today. I've got <laughs> quite a bit. That, I feel like I'm you now because like, I've got all this. Today, stuff. yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one I wanted to talk about is is kind of becoming a little bit of an obsession. Uh, Brand of Sacrifice dropped a record called Lifeblood on March 5th, 2001. And I'm really sad this never ended up on either of our radars, especially in the early... 2001? 2021, okay. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> um, that would have been right about right around the time we had started the podcast. Um, also, shout out to my manga and anime fans. This record is all based off of Berserk, uh, which is a popular manga. And it's gotten some anime adaptations, but I've heard they're all pretty bad. And the face you're making at me, Gabe, is... He's not surprised. He doesn't like the anime. I, I am not an anime guy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Do with that information what you will. Continue, Matt. Yes. Um, yeah, th- th- this album was really good. Um, Lifeblood. They did two versions of Lifeblood. They have the regular version, and then they did one with Rio from uh, Crystal Lake, which slaps. I need to track that down because I haven't heard that one yet. But ooh. Um, there's a lot of really good features. There's Frankie from Emir, Ben Dur from Shadow of Intent. Um, one of the vocalists, I think Eric is his first name from I Prevail. And then there was one other feature. I can't remember the uh, name of the band that the uh, individuals from this one. It's 
It's disgusting. It's we're we're continuing to see this growth of the deathcore genre into what's becoming really the wall of noise, and it's like the songs are fully packed with a lot of different elements. So, like in Lorna Shore's case is they're bringing the black metal elements to kind of fill fill the empty space. These guys are just chaos. Uh, Fear it, uh, Ruin, uh, specifically the track on that album, has Tyler Shelton, who's from Traders. That's what it was. Which okay. is super cool. I love Traders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and all the features were fantastic. It, it's really, really good deathcore that I'd literally recommend to everyone, regardless of if you like deathcore or not. Sound alone and how much I've jammed this record, seven out of eight. I need to actually sit down and read the lyrics, uh, but based on my understanding is right now their releases are based off of the Berserk anime. I'm pretty into it. Uh, The next thing is there's a new band on the scene titled High Winds, or they're named High Winds, and it's actually partially composed of Elliot Grunberg and Jared Worth of Bless the Fall, and they dropped their song titled Wind Waker. Song's pretty good. It's not my favorite thing. It's but because it, it is a little bit generic in regards to both sound and somewhat lyrically. Um, based on their Instagram post that was kind of announcing who the band is and what who's in it, uh, it, and not really announcing like this is who this is and they do this. Uh, but it was just like just showing a, a photo of the band. Is it's a bunch of like Legend of Zelda fans getting together and. For those familiar, one of the Legend of Zelda games is called Wind Waker, and um, so that kind of makes sense with the the song name. The uh, one thing I will say about the lyrics on this one, I believe it's actually referencing Elliot's late mother who passed away in August of 2021. Um, it, it's it really given off that vibe if you kind of listen, look at it. Uh, their Wind Waker, the I think EP is going to be dropping on January 21st of 2022. So I'm pretty excited about that just to see what other material that those uh, folks are dropping. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Um, Evanescence dropped new music. They dropped us. I know, right? (laughs) December 17th of 2021, they dropped Across the Universe. I'm going to keep this one short. I was not impressed with it. I heard it once and didn't even get all the way through. And that that says a lot. So it's just not really that good. It's a little bit of a softer song for them. It's just more more the Amy Lee project. Um, and that was kind of disheartening. With that name, that might sound like it's a Beatles cover. I'm going to continue. Yeah, you, I know continue. you're Continue. I'm going to see if I can confirm that. And then the last thing I've got is Abiotic dropped a new record on December 3rd titled A Universal Plague Mutation. Um, and just to, in case someone's caring for the, the actual like grammar and looking it up, it's A Universal Plague colon mutation um, for those looking it up. Boy, does this hit a spot I th- didn't know I needed hit. Uh, right now, so far, I'd probably give it a 5 out of 8 if I had to rate it just based on like the sound. And I haven't returned to it as much as I want to just because I've been kind of stuck on Brand of Sacrifice. But there's plenty more to explore with this record. And um, I, I'm falling down this like death metal, deathcore, grindcore rabbit hole right now. And I'm I'm into it. I'm so proud of you. I know. Uh, and I did confirm um, it, it. the Evanescence song is a cover of the Beatles across the universe. Okay. And that would make sense. I, to be completely honest, I don't think I really ever got into the Beatles as a kid. You're not really missing out much. That's fair. 
again, respect them for what they did. They were really big forefronts for music. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. Um, I actually did have one other thing that I wanted to bring up. I just discovered these guys uh, about a week ago. Um, but it's <laughs> it's a band called Galactacracken. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> and the album's called Starship Velociraptor. Um, it's very much kind of like your fantasy metal uh dragon force kind of vibe to it um they released an out al- they, they released this album on april 3rd of 2021 it's just a fun album i thought it was silly and i kind of wanted to bring it up that's all <laughs> i i might need you to send a message with that name to me so i can look them up because this sounds like a absolute blast absolutely but that is going to do it for us today guys we do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen and uh check us out if you could please review write like subscribe rate all that jazz on whatever medium that you listen to us on you can also find us on a variety of social medias whether that be tiktok youtube uh, instagram or facebook and uh, next week we will absolutely know what we're doing oh yes <laughs> uh there is like eight different solid the, the albums problem. that are dropping next yeah. week yeah we're, we're, we'll figure that out in due time but we'll make sure that we're actually reviewing the same record <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> yeah but with that being said we will see you later catch you in the next one